Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. The Rays signed Brandon Lau to a six-year, $24 million extension with a couple of option years after that. We'll tell you why they're so high on their young infielder. And the Valspar Championship is underway today. No Tiger, but the number one player in the world, Dustin Johnson, is there along with a great field. And the Valspar announces an extension to that tournament as well in terms of their sponsorship. We'll talk to Rodney Page, who's covering the event for the Tampa Bay Times. And we've got some leftover mailbag questions as well, and the NCAA tournament starts today. Who you got? All that and more in this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Bursnick. Hey, is your electric bill over $300? Well, that's just ridiculous. So, listen, if you want to save 90 to 95% on all your electric bills, listen to me now. May Electric Solar is a locally owned company, and May Electric Solar is the safest solar available They do not use high voltage like many other companies. And May Electric Solar has a 25-year warranty on all equipment and labor. They have a full showroom, and you can see their products, and they are open weekdays. Now, May Electric Solar has been around for 12 years. They've earned a great reputation with their customers and peers. There are a lot of other solar companies that are imitating them, trying to use their great name. But remember, they don't use subcontractors, and they don't subcontract with any company in any other way. So everyone knows it has to be May all the way. So stop the insanity of these out-of-control electric bills. Start saving now. Call May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. Call right now, and you can also receive a 30% tax credit by changing to solar energy through 2019. Call the real May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. Okay, Steve, I picked up my Tampa Bay Times, and I saw, actually, I read this online, and you should subscribe if you haven't had a chance to do that, but I read it online. Mark Tompkin, I think, broke this story, but uh, the Rays have done it again. They've locked up another one of their young core players, uh, young superstars, if you will, hopefully to be. Brandon Lau, who uh, has really spent just one one season in the big league. Or part Less of than one, one year of MLB service. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's saying something right there. But they signed him to a six-year, $24 million extension. And they also have a couple of option years there. I guess the most he would make uh, in salary would top out at $13.5 million in 2026. But that's quite a commitment, um, and I'm sure that the Rays attempt to do this with their young stars. But uh, before the podcast, Steve, you read the list to me of guys they've done this with. He joins a pretty elite group of players. Yeah, he's the fourth player they've signed with less than one year of MLB service. Evan Longoria was the first one, Matt Moore, and then Chris Archer. And so Brendan Lau is the, the fourth one that they've signed to this. The deal could be worth up to $49 million over eight years if they, if they pick up both option years. Um, now, a lot of people have asked, and we'll get to Brendan Lau in a second, a lot of people have asked, why doesn't Blake Snell get the same deal? They have asked him. He has decided he's waiting for arbitration and that. He doesn't want – you know, th- the advantage of these deals for the player and the team. The team is, is we've locked you in long term. For the player, you get guaranteed money, but you may end up making less money than you would have otherwise because you're giving up free agent years and arbitration years at this point. Sure. By signing this deal for eight years – 
Within six years, he could be a free agent. Well, the Rays now have him locked in for eight if they choose. But mm-hmm. the player's got guaranteed money because there's no guarantee he's going to be a success in Major League Baseball and be worth $13 million a year in 2026, let's say. So these deals are, you know, some players like them, others don't. Others bet on themselves and say, I'm not taking that deal. I want to hit uh, arbitration. I want to hit free agency. And in Blake Snell's case, my guess is they asked him a couple years ago. He chose not to. He won a Cy Young before he's even hit arbitration. He's probably bet on himself properly in that case. <laughs> yeah, I think he's okay. I mean, injuries can happen, so you mm-hmm. don't know. I mean, that that's the big fear is that, you know, you have something catastrophic or something you just can't overcome and it affects your play, especially if you're maybe a pitcher. And, and um, so Blake Snell has to be concerned with that. But Blake Snell could be looking at $25, $30 million a year mm-hmm. by the time he reaches free agency. So there's a big difference. Um, Brendan Lau uh, – for as good as he's been, he played, as you mentioned, just a partial of a season. 43 games last year. He hit 233 with six home runs and 148 plate appearance, but he got off to just a horrific hole. Well, yeah, he started 0 for 19. So when you take oh. when you take that stretch out of there, he hit 273 in the 37 games and an 884 OPS, which is very yeah, good. Yeah, that's, that's outstanding, and, and you can't take it away, but, I mean, those, those 0 for 19 slumps, I can tell you, having gone through a couple of them in my, in my day – they will destroy your average. I mean, there's just nothing. It's just hard to come back from that. And particularly but, when you start the season or your major league career yes. that way. Oh, yeah. And the, you know, imagine the pressing that was going on in his head um, when you have 19 at-bats and still looking for your first major league hit. But the, the, the thing that probably shows what his upside is more than that is in 2016, uh, he had a monster season. He batted 297. He had uh, 31 doubles, 22 homers in just 100 games that he split between double A and triple A. So he was a fast mover uh, through the minor leagues in that respect. And so uh, a versatile guy, a guy that can play uh, a lot of infield positions and also has played some outfield. Yeah, they played him at the corner outfield last year when he came up. He's primarily a second baseman, but he's also this spring learned first base where he could be sharing right. some time with G-Man Choi and others uh, to get in the lineup as, you know, the Rays love the versatility. So, uh, you know, his trade is more of a, a middle infielder. But he's learned outfield, he's learned first base, he's learning more positions, So, which you know we, we know the Rays love. I think the Rays do this better or as well as any organization in baseball, and they have to do it. Um, they're a small market team, obviously, not a, lot of, not a big revenue team. Um, we've talked about this with Blake Snow. I think they could have, at least just as a gesture, um, you know, given them a, given them a $100,000 bonus. It really wouldn't have mattered that much overall on what they're spending and, and this whole notion that, you know, then – players will be lining up to try to get raises well yeah if you win the Cy Young or an MVP we'll be happy to do it for you too Um, but but really the genius of the race has been to stay as competitive as they have uh, being outspent sometimes two and almost three to one and in the American League East you know with the Yankees and the Red Sox and and Toronto for that matter so I really think that uh, it's moves like this being able to convince young players uh, that they're better off and like you said it's not for everybody now me personally I live in a world of what's guaranteed is guaranteed. And as much as I'd like to bet on myself, if somebody hung that kind of money out there for me, I don't know how I could walk away from it. Um, you know, clearly, he, if, if he becomes a superstar, he will be le- leaving some money on the table. But it's hard to know what, what your future is. And there's so many variables with that uh, in terms of injuries and what, you know, what team you're on and, and who's around you and just uh, all kinds of things can happen. So, I think overall, I, I'd be that guy, man, that would go ahead and say, heck yeah, give me $23 million right now. I'm good. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's to each their own. I mean, you yeah. know, it, everybody's a little different. Some people have more risk tolerance than others. Some people want the guaranteed money. Um, you know, so in, in the teams, it's a risk too. I mean, now the teams owes him twenty four million dollars, no matter what, no matter yeah. what he does, um, as long as he shows up every day to play. So there, there's risks on both sides, but it's how much risk are you willing to take? The Rays obviously believe very highly in Brendan Lau because they're not giving these deals to everybody. And granted, I'm sure there's many that have turned them down. I mean, you know, off the top right. of my head, it was, well, Willie Adamas didn't get this deal, or maybe he was offered and he chose not to, too. We don't know. You only hear about these sure. deals when they actually happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, I mean, how he produces. I mean, I, you know, I know they're high on him. Maybe I didn't realize how high they were on him until, you know, news of this deal broke on Wednesday morning from Ken Rosenthal and then Mark Topkin. Right. Yeah, it's a good it's a uh, it's an important signing for the Rays and and uh, you know and the other thing about this too is like, you know, I don't know, players maybe some guys know themselves you talk about being risk averse, that's kind of me, I'm a little risk averse myself, but I think that uh you can look at it two ways like, you know, so there'll be a lot of attention on him now and a lot of expectations because of the contract he just signed or could be a guy that doesn't have to worry about his money, you know, some of these guys press during their arbitration years, you know, um mm-hmm. Concerned about injury, concerned about making it to free agency and, and, and getting that first big contract. And so, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're battling all the way through with, with you know, just base pay or whatever, uh, whatever was, uh, was laid out for them. The other thing to consider is that this guy was a third-round pick. He wasn't somebody taken in the top of the first round with, you know, five, six, seven million dollars guaranteed. So uh, probably another good reason for him to go ahead uh, and, and sign this deal. So we got uh, spring training, still got a little bit of time to go. This is my favorite time of year because obviously the weather is going is to turn for the best. It's going to be a spectacular weekend and week coming up. Uh, and that means that if you're somebody who's a golf fan, you got to get your butt out to Valspar. The Valspar Championship is uh, underway today. And, of course, uh, not quite the buzz that was with this tournament a year ago. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. Tiger Woods. Uh, coming back, and, and part of that was it was indeed a comeback. I mean, he had not played very much golf, uh, if if any at all, and really it sort of happened here at Valspar where he put things together and wound up finishing second. I think he he lost by just one one shot or so, and and of course the crowds were 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 incredible. The the excitement was there. I mean, they had a perfect field with Roy McIlroy, Justin Spieth was there. It, it was it was some kind of show, and. You know, they, they moved the Players' Championship this year, so that, that affected maybe uh, what the overall draw was. But they still have a lot of good players. Now, Tiger's not playing, but this is going to be a terrific week of golf. Okay, Rodney Page joins us now. And, uh, Rodney, first of all, there's been some news out there with respect to Valspar, and I guess they've extended their sponsorship. So that's a really good thing for this tournament. Yeah, it, it's had stability. So, um so Valspar came on board in 2014 and really kind of saved the tournament because in uh, mm-hmm. 2013 it was just called the Tampa Bay Championship. They didn't have a title sponsor, and the PGA Tour was basically footing the bill. And they were close to, to moving on. And then Valspar came along. And uh, I guess, you know, like they renewed shortly thereafter, and then um, they announced this morning that they've renewed through 2025. So that gives this tournament more stability than – it's ever had um so they know they'll be around for the next six years at least yeah they so had i mean they had pretty big for them. crowds it really is big they, they had record crowds last year obviously some of that had to do with tiger but just the general reception mm-hmm. by the players um 
I think the community has really made this uh, just, you know, almost a must-see event. It's it's really appears in a, in a, you know, obviously a good time of the year with the spring and a lot of visitors mm-hmm. here. So um, this this tournament has traction among among the among the PGA and its golfers, right? Yeah, I think so. I don't think it's it's been around since 2000, and it's just kind of kind of gained and gained. And um, last year was unlike anything uh, with Tiger being here. They were sure. like at maximum capacity every day. Um, I don't think it'll be like that this time around, but I, I do think that even though Tiger was only here for one year, I think he exposed a lot of people to the tournament. So um, yeah. it could be, you know, it didn't hurt. That's for sure. And then they're going to mm-hmm. get the guy, the people that always come out here. Um, you know, they, they sold out that, uh, that Hooters thing on Friday and Saturday. And <laughs> so <Right>. I, it, <laughs> it, you know, <clears throat> I don't know how much golf those, those people watch, but, um, they uh, at least they're out here, and so yeah, I think I think it's you know gained a lot of traction, and uh, obviously the the Alspart people think so. So um, it's, it's it's a pretty cool event. It really is, and I I I will say I'm one of those people that have been at the Hooters tent um, a few too many times, but you do, you do watch <laughs> a little golf. It's pretty rowdy up there. I think the golfers enjoy it, yeah. except if you're if there's you know screaming going on while they're actually trying to. Uh, yeah. to make their living but yeah. aside they from that it, they it's... put it on like the uh was it the 12th or 13th hole somewhere in there yeah mm-hmm. um and it used to be on the 17th hole and the problem with that is that you know on saturday and sunday especially sunday on the 17th hole you, you know those guys are in contention you know and they're yeah. they're uh having to deal with uh rowdy crowds on the 17th so they kind of moved them to uh an earlier a couple earlier holes on the in the uh, tournament so that they're not you know too distracting i guess but uh yeah exactly it's, it's uh pretty cool so um you mentioned tiger a minute ago he he's not there at this tournament but um it, there was you know some thought at least given to it because um it wasn't until i guess last week that uh he sort of announced that he was going to skip this one and uh instead uh play in the um, wgc dell match play next week but um, where is Tiger Woods right now, just in terms of like uh, his plan to play? I guess he's on sort of a, a, of a semi-regular basis. He's going to s- skip some tournaments, um, but that that has a little bit to do with uh, with his health and just trying to stay uh, as fresh as he can, right? Yeah, yeah. So last year he ended up playing eighteen tournaments uh, because he became eligible for the uh, the playoffs and and actually won the Tour Championship at the end. So he played in more tournaments than he kind of really wanted to. So he made a comment at the end that he's not going to play as much this season. 18 was too many. Um, mm-hmm. But it, this tournament here was still, I mean, it, from what I understand, it was right down to the wire. And it was really, um, <clears throat> when, I think when he, when he made the cut at the players, it was kind of pretty much, you know, not good for this tournament because now he didn't really need it. And he, he wants to play in those world golf ones. And so I think the, the Valspar's biggest fear of not getting him kind of came through because he, uh, <clears throat> he made the cut at the players, even though he missed uh, the Arnold Palmer with that neck strain, um, having uh, made the cut at the players and then the, the match play the week after he, he just decided, even though he dragged everybody along through Friday, uh, he decided not to return here. So, um, but otherwise, it's a pretty good field. 
Yeah, this tournament though they did move it in the schedule, right? It was in a different uh, a, a different weekend, I guess, in March. And, yeah. And uh, did did that affect at all the field? Do you think or Tiger notwithstanding? Um, it it doesn't seem so. I really thought it would because um, uh, it, the whole thing was they moved the players' championship from May to March, and so that kind of forced a shuffle in the Florida tournament, and it put it put this tournament after the players and before the match play. And the right. thinking was a lot of guys would take it off. But then on last Wednesday, Dustin Johnson, who's the top player, um, signed up for the tournament, which kind of gave it a boost. Um, mm. <clears throat> they got a guy, John Rahm, who's 10th uh, in the world. He's playing here for the first time. Um, Sergio Garcia, Bubba Watson, guys like that. So there's still some names here. It, it, it's, you know, pretty deep, even though there's no Tiger. Um, there's still a lot of people out here that uh, are a lot of players out here that people will recognize anyway. Absolutely, absolutely. No Roy McIlroy, and, and uh, I guess Jordan Spieth's not playing. No anymore. Rory. Yeah, no Rory and no Jordan. I think like last year was like the uh, lightning in a bottle, man. They had Rory and Jordan and Sergio and Tiger. And, <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, it was just like, you, uh, that, I don't think that'll ever happen again. Yeah. <clears throat> but... Um, but a very good field, obviously. When you get the number one player in the world, um, that's an attraction unto itself. And, of course, the course is great. Um, let me ask you, you wrote a story about uh, – and these are always interesting um, guys to follow because I, I love watching the amateurs in, in particular at these events. But um, yeah. Akshay Bhatia is a 17-year-old from Wake Forest that you wrote about. Uh, tell us about him yeah. and just uh, sort of what, what kind of career glide he's on. Yeah, so I, this kid is clearly a phenom, and um, he's been uh, winning junior tournaments since he was like 12 years old. He's a he's a, a tall left-hander. Um, he uh, is, I think he just he's won a couple. He's like the defending junior PGA uh, champion. He's he just won the Jones Cup, which is like a big deal for amateurs. Um, and he uh, announced <clears throat> uh, a little bit earlier that. He's like a he's a junior technically in high school, but he takes online classes so he can focus on golf and he plans on graduating at the end of the summer. And then he's going to turn pro at, at the end of the year. He's going to skip college, which is a little unusual. Um, but uh, he's just he's he's uh, extremely confident. I talked to his dad on the uh, after he played a practice round and I said, uh, well, it would be a good week, I guess, if, if, if you guys make the cut. And uh, he's like, no, he's here to win it. <laughs> and I, I had to say, what? <laughs> I, I, had, I, I didn't know if it, that's what he really said. He said, yeah, he's, he's here to win. If he, if he enters a tournament, he wants to win it or he doesn't want to enter it. Wow. Like, oh, wow, okay. So then later, you know, I asked him about his expectations. And he said, yeah, I'm, I'm here to win the tournament. <laughs> so um, even though he's a 17-year-old amateur, he's – obviously full of confidence and uh, is probably um, somebody who's, if everything works out, uh, is going to be on tour for a long time. This is his first PGA Tour event, too. That makes it kind of notable. So, um, yeah. And I watched him for like three or four holes out there. He played with John Rahm yesterday. And he was, uh, I mean, he was right there with him. You know, he was out driving him and he was, uh, wow. his approach shots were right there with Rahm. Of course, things change on Thursday when it really counts, but, uh, It'd be interesting to watch. It'd be really fun to see him even make the cut, you know? 
Absolutely. 17 years old. Yeah. Uh, finished 2018 as a world top junior player and ranked ninth in the world. That's not bad. I wouldn't be, yeah. I wouldn't mind being ninth in the world in anything, let alone in world anything. amateur yeah. golf ranking. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty strong. The weather is supposed right. to be spectacular. And I assume that, um, you know, uh, that's, that's always a good thing for the golfers and everybody else and for the fans out there. So what, so if I'm, I'm a first timer, let's say, or I'm somebody who, who, uh, mm-hmm. isn't that familiar with this tournament for whatever reason, maybe I just moved here. Maybe I'm in the area. What are, what, are there any tips about, about going there? What, what can you expect? What do you need to bring? What's, uh, what's the best way to approach this? Um, yeah, as a fan, you can, um, approach it, you know, you, you can, uh, come here and, and like pick out a hole and, uh, right. and sit there or, you know, you could, you could uh, obviously get your score sheet and follow around golfers that you want to follow around. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of, they have a lot of other things to do, like behind the, you know, like practice putting greens that people can use and, uh, lots of attractions for kids and stuff like that. So, right. um, you know, it, sometimes they might get bored. So there's a lot of stuff going on. There's obviously a lot of uh, places to eat and drink throughout the course. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, it, it depends on what you want to do. If you want to walk around and watch uh, watch a lot of guys, um, that's one way to do it. Or you can just pick a hole and sit there like a par three and, and just watch players, you know, come in throughout the day. So well, The one thing I noticed about, about Copperhead, do. if you go out there to walk um, – Make sure you're you're in pretty good shape because there's some hills out there. It's not you think about Florida courses and it being flat, but it, it is not yeah. flat at all. Um, so you're yeah, gonna, no, you're going to get some exercise. Like a, uh, North Carolina type course, yeah. So uh, other than Dustin Johnson, you got any favorites for this uh, this event? I don't know that the defending champ is Paul Casey. By the way, that nobody hardly even knows that. Yeah, um, he won by one stroke but, um, over Tiger Woods last year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, Patrick Reed is probably a guy I would pick. He's always yep. in contention here. He was one shot off last year. He'd mm-hmm. have to be uh, a guy. He played well last week, and believe it or not, um, Jim Furyk probably the way just the way he played last oh, week. Yeah. And he's a defending champ here. Um, yeah. That's a guy I would look at too. Yeah, Rom was in contention. A man, a guy you just mentioned uh, a little while ago. So, yeah, it's a it's a terrific tournament. The Valspar, of course, uh, begins on Thursday. Beautiful weather, and you can read. Rodney Page and the Tampa Bay Times will have the coverage for us. Rodney, thanks so much. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Rick. I'm excited to go out there. I'll probably be out there, oh, I don't know, maybe tomorrow or so. I'm, I'm headed out to Arizona on Saturday. But let me just tell you, this is such a great event. And if you have a chance to uh, buy tickets, I think they're sold out. But if you can get into that Hooters tent, man, it's wild. I'll tell you what, man, that Hooters tent, I like to sit there and watch those guys play. You know what I mean? It's it's really fun. Um there's a little bit, a little bit of shenanigans going up there, uh, but it's a great. You, you also have the view of uh, on one side they're teeing off, on another side. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently: Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. I think, like he said, it's like the 13th green and um, the players are pretty receptive to the crowds and it's a good time. So, uh, but there's a lot of other places you can stop and walk along the way. 
just a great event, and I would encourage anybody that's not been out there to go. And, boy, this is the weekend weather-wise. It could not be more spectacular Chamber of Commerce weather. And, Rick, before we get to the mailbag, a couple of quick notes. USF, congratulations. They get their 20th win on the season for the men's basketball program and Coach Brian Gregory. They defeat Stony Brook in the CBI tournament on Wednesday night. They were down 25 points with a couple minutes to go in the first half. Came back to take a lead with three minutes to play in the game. The game does go to overtime. They win 82-79, to and USF gets their 20th victory for only the fifth time in fran- or, uh, franchise con- uh, school history, as Joey Knight told us yesterday on the podcast. USF will play Utah Valley on Monday at home to continue on in the CBI tournament looking for win number 21. Tampa Bay keeps rolling as they beat the Capitals 5-4 in overtime. Andre Vasilevsky makes a career-high 54 saves in the win. Uh, 59 shots in total for Washington in the game. That's a franchise record for Washington as far as shots in a game. Same with the Lightning and shots against. Uh, Vasilevsky was absolutely outstanding, although the game-tying goal with 53 seconds to go in the game from Kuznetsov, that one may have been a little of a weak goal, but overall, Andre Vasilevsky was incredible. Nikita Kucherov, two power play goals. Steven Stamkos got a power play goal. Their power play was lethal. Their penalty kill was fantastic. Uh, Washington got one power play goal, uh, but I think it was one for six in the game if I recall off the top of my head as far as the power play goes but the Lightning now 57 wins on the season 118 points of course they've already clinched the president's trophy Uh, they're going for the record now of 62 wins they just need to win five of their next the last eight games to get to 62 wins of course if they take six out of eight games which they're playing at a better than 750 clip for the season they will have eclipsed the record of 62 wins that was done by the 1995-1996 Detroit Red Wings Also with the Lightning, they're one of eight teams now in history to have four winning streaks of six games or more in a season, which is just incredible. They just string wins back-to-back-to-back, and of course, they really don't lose back-to-back games. They've One time all season have they lost back-to-back regulation games. That was in November to Ottawa and Buffalo. Ironically, two teams that aren't anywhere close to the playoffs at this point. So anyway, the Lightning uh, are in Carolina tonight. It's a back-to-back. I assume Louis Domingue will be in goal after Andre Vasilevsky's 54 saves in an overtime victory over Washington on Wednesday night. So Lightning at Carolina. Carolina's fighting for that one of the two final wild-card spots in the East. Uh, so it should be another good game. Carolina, has a, they put a lot of shots on net. Uh, that's one of the things they do very well. They have a high shot percentage volume. So should be a good game tonight. And then uh, the Lightning will continue on the road trip Saturday night in St. Louis. So we had a bunch of uh, mail, uh, a few mailbag questions left over. We didn't get to yesterday. We ran kind of long. So uh, let's take those, Steve, and we'll attempt to en- answer them 100% correctly. Well, since you brought up John Gruden, we did have a request of wanted to hear John Gruden's thoughts on signing Vontez Perfect. <laughs> I knew this was coming. I'll tell you what, man. Let me start by saying nobody's perfect. You know what I mean? I don't care what anybody tells. A Bengal never loses his stripes, man. You know what I mean? This is the perfect fit for the Raiders. I love wordplay, man. <laughs> okay, what can I say? That's that's John. He is the perfect yeah, fit. Yeah, that would be his press you, conference. You knew he would be a Raider, though, didn't you? Oh, didn't absolutely. you see what, as soon as I mean, there is there is not a you know, and back in the day, they there were even more of those type of bad boys that they had uh, on the on the Raiders who always led the NFL in penalties. <laughs> they just didn't care. Um, but yeah, John Gruden. First, he loves every player, and he loves uh, veteran players, and he's going to love the attitude that he's going to bring 
God help him. I don't know how many how much how many fines he'll collect or be suspended if that if that would to occur. But, I know I uh, saw some yeah. Cincinnati uh, talk show hosts uh, bantering back on Twitter about you know what are they going to do this uh, this fall when they don't have to predict what games Vontez Burfecht's going to miss for suspension this year. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's it's a writer's dream to have a guy like that on your team. <laughs> let me tell you, you just. You come in one day and you're not sure what you're going to do and say, "Oh, guy, he got suspended again." Okay, well then, yeah, we got that. <laughs> it takes care of the takes care of Friday for you. Um, so yeah, so Vertic goes. Okay, so there's your there's your perfect answer to your your perfect question, man. All right. Well, well, let's see. Jim asked. So the Bucks signed another fast burner type wide receiver. That's great, but how can fans be convinced that it will be different from Deshaun and Jameis? Will he be able to hit him down the field? Um, I don't know that, and it's I can't. Con- I think it'll be different, and and I'll tell you why. First and foremost, uh, this guy is not as good of a player as Deshaun is. Um, he hasn't had quite the career. Now he's got some upside. Obviously, he was a first round pick, never really uh, hooked on well in Baltimore, and and a big part of that was because of injuries. He had uh, troubles with both knees. He had a partially torn ACL. I think he had a torn PCL one year. Uh, dropped some footballs, um, and you know was bounced around a little bit until he landed in Cleveland for the second half of last season. But you know what? Had a really good second half, and he put it together. He, he averaged over 18 yards a catch, showed the speed, made some huge plays, a couple of touchdowns. So I think his, his, his confidence is back. And it's going to be, you know, him and Jameis. The one thing that might help is that I think this guy who is, uh, you know, went to Central Florida, uh, has family in the area, is going to be wanting to stay home and work you know Deshaun always went to California he was more concerned about keeping his speed up so he was a guy that trained with a track coach and he did a little work with uh you know with with Jameis in the off season, but not that much and quite frankly you know how many how many go routes can you run before you're dead anyway at full speed so um they're gonna have to get together and work and I, I think that there also won't be the pressure that Jameis feels you know to to throw to Perriman I mean if he's open, great. If, if Perriman is asked to uh, take the top off the defense and bring a safety with him and create space in the middle of the field or underneath, then that's what he'll do. And you won't have sort of the, uh, you know, sort of the pressure that I think the play caller feels. I know that Jameis feels it uh, to try to make use of a guy like Deshaun, who is, who, you know, like a lot of wide receivers, is going to beg for the ball. And, um, you know, you get more out of the running game. I think this guy will block. You couldn't run the ball to Deshaun's side when he was in a game, and teams knew that. So, you know, there, there's a lot of upside, but uh, let's not confuse it. Now, this is not Deshaun Jackson by any means. All right, UK Bucks ask, Rick, with the mock drafts coming thick and fast, who do you see the Bucks taking as of today? Well, as of today is, is, is a tough one, only because I'm, I'm not convinced uh, exactly how many quarterbacks are going to go ahead of them. And I, I think Kyler Murray will. I, w- I would think that would be Arizona or maybe even Oakland uh, might take him in the top five. Um, so, so that leaves, uh, you know, the Bucks are picking fifth. So if, if you say Murray goes, then you've got four pretty good players uh, and they're all, you know, mostly defensive linemen. Um, so, you know, if another quarterback like Dwayne Haskins were to go in the top five, now you're talking. Now, now you're looking at a, an elite guy, whether, you know, it's uh, Quentin Williams or, um, you know, I think I think the sort of the perfect fit would be Josh Allen from Kentucky because he's a guy that can stand up, play outside linebacker. He can uh, rush the passer. He's athletic enough to drop in coverage. 
he's an elite guy that that produced at a very high level in the SEC. If a guy like Josh Allen were to make it down to five, I think they would probably have to take him even above Devin White, who, you know, you'll see some mock drafts with him. You'll see Montez Sweat there as well at number five. Um, there's some. There's been some reports about Montez having some kind of a heart condition, perhaps that they detected. Uh, I don't know what what the Bucks medical people think of that. Um, but I think it's the value of defensive linemen in this draft, and, and the fact that you're picking so high. If you have a chance to get one of those elite guys in the top five, and I'll, I'll say right now in my mock, I'd, I'd put Allen there, but I'm not convinced that he'll make it all the way to five. All right, Les asked, who will have more wins this year? The Bucks and Dolphins combined, or the Browns? Oof. I would say the Bucks and Dolphins combined. Look, you know, this is a good question, Steve. We could debate: is is Ryan Fitzpatrick the perfect quarterback to tank with? Um, on the one hand, he's capable of beating almost anybody. I mean, we saw him go into New Orleans and just have an unbelievably hot day, right? Now that was one game, but like the first three games, he was. You know, his numbers were ridiculous, 400 yards a game, three touchdowns a game. Now, that was with the Bucks offense. They don't quite have those weapons down in Miami. Um, but having said that, are you convinced that he's only going to win two or three games so that you, you tank for Tua? Um, I'm not sure that he's the per- – I don't, I don't know. But, you know, on the other hand, I guess you could argue that if he throws five interceptions and it looks like you're intentionally trying to lose, no, that's, that's just Fitzpatrick. <laughs> he's capable of that too. So um, – <laughs> I guess it just depends on how you look at it, but um, yeah, I I think that the, I think that the Bucks and Dolphins will have more wins than the Browns because first of all, you know the Bucks will probably get the at minimum get to the five, six, seven range, and of course they're hoping for ten. And uh, you know even the worst NFL teams, unless you're just historically bad, you're gonna win. You're gonna win between four and six games. So uh, I don't necessarily, you know, I don't see the Browns winning twelve. I would say that if they win nine or ten, that's a really good year. I know people are picking them to win the division and maybe go to the Super Bowl, but I think expectations will eat them alive a little bit, and it's probably going to take more than one year. Don't forget they have Freddie Kitchens, who's a first-year head coach and play caller, and um, even though Todd Munkin is there, he's not going to be calling the plays. So that might be a little difficult to try to deal with uh, Odell Beckham Jr. and, and some of the some of the new guys they have coming aboard, even though they're talented. So I would say the Bucks and Dolphins will – we eclipse the Browns' wins. But that's a hell of a question. All right, Mike asks, Major League Baseball is the only North American sport that does not have a salary cap or a salary floor. Is it time for a cap or floor in baseball? It would seem it would solve a lot of salary issues baseball has as well as competitive balance. Well, it would, except you'll never get the owners in, uh, to agree to it. And, you know, I mean, the reason is that they're not to have a salary cap – um, you'd have to have revenue sharing in some form or fashion. And, and, and while they have luck, you know, they have these payroll taxes and things like this to try to create some kind of balance. Um, if I'm in New York and I'm, I'm, a, I'm the Steinbrenners or whatever, and I, I own the Yes Network and I have, you know, um, the sort of revenue from their stadium and from their team that it, that it, that it draws, I'm not sharing it with a small market team like Tampa Bay. Uh, beyond maybe what what they've agreed to with respect to the you know to the payroll taxes and things like that, um, and because of that, I mean look, you know, if people see this big salary that they paid, you know, Mike Trout with the uh, Angels, uh, and they think, you know, there needs to be some kind of change. But I, 
you know, baseball, baseball is just different. I mean, they, they, you know, they don't, their union is different. Um, their split of the revenues is different. They, they, you know, the baseball players association, they're not equal partners with the owners, uh, much like the NFL is where, you know, it's close to 50% in shared revenues. That's why they have to spend money on player costs. Uh, and in baseball, you know, uh, each team decides what they want to spend. They can spend $1 or they can spend $300 million. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think there's too much of a disparity in market sizes and, you know, those the owners of these of these large market teams, you know, whether it's Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, Boston, those kind of places uh, would never allow uh, something to be, you know, shared beyond what what they've agreed to at this point. And they and they've managed to even sort of get away from that. I mean, these teams have found ways and thanks to the Rays in some respects they found ways to stay, you know, below um, the sort of taxes they have to pay. So, I, no, the answer is it's not going to happen. And I know why people get crazy every time somebody signs one of these enormous contracts. They say, oh, my gosh, you know, that's so much money and, and, and so on and so forth. But it's just – it's a different game. And, and I've seen a lot of NFL players, if you want to extend this out a little bit, this question about, you know, player – every time a baseball player signs this kind of deal – invariably you'll get the NFL player coming out saying we need guaranteed contracts and and you know that's ridiculous you know look how much money the baseball players make and our contracts aren't guaranteed well yeah they're not except what they will guarantee which is you know usually a year or two uh and the reason is and and they'll tell you this it's just you know how with the injuries and 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 you know so much risk you'd end up with teams that had, you know, a hundred something players on the roster. I mean, they, the owners feel like they cannot, you know, have a business model where you guarantee every contract because how many players get hurt? How many players, you know, would you have to carry? Um, if, if, if the money, you still owe this guy money and he didn't play for two years, uh, three years. So I think if you did that, what you'd see is one and two year contracts, you know, guys would not have the long-term security, um, that that some of them some of them have now it's true in the NFL all that's guaranteed is what they'll guarantee if it's the first two years of salary whatever three years it just depends few contracts are completely guaranteed although we did see Kirk Cousins go to uh, from Washington to Minnesota and get all 90 million dollars or so guaranteed so it, it has started to happen with certain players in certain positions. I but think. I, th- I think the quarterback's the exception to that rule because of how I they agree. protect the quarterbacks. The injuries are a lot less at that position That's than correct. an offensive lineman, a wide receiver, a linebacker, Absolutely. et cetera. Absolutely. And that's, that's the whole thing. It's the injuries that, uh, that they, cannot, they cannot run their business. Um, and, and, you know, fortunately, but unfortunately for the players, fortunate for the owners, they have an unlimited resource of players. I mean, you know, there's 1,600 active in the NFL, I think, during the regular season or so, and there's probably a couple million that want those jobs, okay? So they're never going to run out of players. It's just not going to happen. So when you have an unlimited resource like that, they don't have to kowtow. They don't have to guarantee anything. All right, and finally, we got the NCAA tournament underway today. This is the day that all of you should be taking off as a national holiday. You should be parked in front of some TV somewhere and getting ready to watch about 100,000 games if you have a satellite and can do that. But, uh, and it should be a national holiday, I think. The NCAA tournament is underway. And, um, Steve, who you, who you got? I mean, look, I, I think that basketball is becoming much like football in that there's only a couple teams. There's probably more. There's more parity in basketball, obviously. But I think there's still 
probably more of the of the you know the elite teams are are got a better chance of winning national there's, titles. There's probably than, eight than to ten before. teams that can legitimately win it. Maybe, but you know what? This year, as, as more than any other year, I have not found anybody that won't say Duke's not going to be the national champions. They are that much better than everybody. Oh, else, I don't think they will be. In my opinion, you don't think Duke will be? I think. Uh, look, their three point shooting is uh, atrocious. And yeah, you get a hot three-point shooting. You got a you got a hot sh- three-point shooting team against them, and they're vulnerable. Okay, they're. I think they're dead last in the NCAA in three-point percentage. But do they need three pointers when you get the big monster? You right don't. On but the what floor I'm saying is, the three-pointer is the equalizer for the other team. If somebody really got hot, perhaps. But you're they trading threes for twos. Defense. You're trading three for twos, and you're hot. I'll take the threes. Okay. Well, they played defense there too. Last time I checked, they do. So, I they mean, do. They're they're aware of that. Mm-hmm. I just think Duke is better that much better than anybody else. I I, I could be wrong. Here is my um, I I think Duke. I think I'm going chalk with them all the way, um, at least through the East, and then we can talk about our about what happens after that. But I would say, um, look, I think I think Michigan is really really good. And if you look at their draw, I think they have a chance to win the West. If they're if they're executing their right. offense, they absolutely do. But their offense got, at times can become them, stagnant. It can become stagnant, absolutely. But I, I like their I like mm-hmm. where they're positioned. I like their basketball team. Um, I know that uh, you know Gonzaga's in the West. They're mm-hmm. the number one seed. Um, the Zags are very good. They're the only team that beat Duke when they had Zion and were full strength. So. You know it's hard not to make them a number one seed, but I think Michigan is 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 right there with them. I like Virginia to make it out of the South. Mm-hmm. I think Virginia was the best team all year, other than Duke. Uh, the ACC we know is really really strong. Um, loved their coach. Uh, I I think that uh, you know they they've been there. They can get back. And then I'm gonna say um, I'm gonna say Kentucky comes out of the Midwest. I know a lot of people have mm-hmm. North Carolina. They're mm-hmm. the number one seed there. But look out. Look out for Kentucky because those guys, as they always do, come on late in the season and start playing better. I mean, he always has a bunch of one-and-donners. Um, that's fine. But John Calipari um, is kind of laying in the weeds a little bit. You haven't mm-hmm. heard a lot about Kentucky winning this tournament, and I think I think they're ready to make a run at it. So I've got two of the I same s- four as you. Okay. Who I, you I have Virginia and Kentucky. Okay. Okay. I've got Michigan State coming out of the East. Yeah. And I have Florida State coming out of the West. Florida State's a good pick. I've seen that a lot. Uh, the only thing I don't believe in Florida State, and they're huge, by the way, mm-hmm. is they seem like that team every year. They seem like you know big expectations, maybe make it to the round of eight, 16 most mm-hmm. years, but just as capable as getting beat in the first round. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just they just don't have that track record that, that tells me they can go all the way to the Final Four. Uh, but really a talented team and was very good all year. Boy, the ACC was loaded this year. That's a good one. And what was your okay? So you had who was the other team you had? That I had I Michigan have? State over in, Michigan State. Out of East, well, yeah. yeah, that's a good one. That I mean, Michigan State's probably playing as good as anybody right now. They're doing exactly what Tom Izzo wants to do, which is rebound the ball, be extremely physical, have an outstanding point guard. I mean, I think I think they've got all the pieces too. If they can put it together, they certainly could be there. Um, but there's yeah, you're right. There's probably about six or seven teams, I guess. Who could potentially? But I think if Duke gets to the Final Four, they're going to win it all. I, I don't unless they unless they slip up somewhere along the way. I just think they're so strong, and I, I don't think there's been many players, uh, you know, like him, like Zion. And I, I just 
you need a great player to play great. He'll play great, assuming you know his Nike shoes hold up and all that. So I like I like Mike Shashevsky to win again, because if the referees are you know don't take it from us, we'll win. Our kids are outstanding. <laughs> and so the referees sometimes didn't call the game right, but yeah, it'll be uh, that's the way it's going to go. So hey, we figured out the final four. You got it. You're on your own with the rest of the brackets. I think here's the other upset. I think Nevada or Nevada will probably beat Florida. Don't you think today? I have Florida over Nevada, but. Do you? Okay. Yeah. Yep. That would be a huge win for the Gators. It would that be. That is very, very good. Yeah, it would be. Florida Florida's a 10 seed. Um, Simeon Rice's son is in, is playing for Nevada in that game. Something to watch. Mm-hmm. And so, I, have, uh, I have UCF beating uh, VCU as well in the first round. I kind of like that. I like that pick. And then they'll get beat by Duke. Right. But. So you got the Florida teams doing really, really well. I do. I have all three of them winning in the first round. How about that? Outstanding. All right. So it's going to be a good – Good week for college basketball, of course. This is the best time of year, man. You got the Major League Baseball's opening day is one just week. on the horizon. One week. One week. One week from today, folks. The Tampa Bay Rays, I'm sure I'll be at Tropicana Field. i always find my way there somehow for Verlander opening Verlander versus Snell. It's one of the marquee matchups in baseball um, that first day. So, you know, that'll be terrific. And then you've got, uh, of course, the Final Four will be continuing. The NCAA tournament will be continuing. And you've got you know golf in the, the Masters area this is, uh, week. coming up soon. Masters, a tradition like no other. Past Hello, the Butler cabins. Hello, friends on the way to Amen Corner. And Tiger Woods is not made the cut. So we'll we'll we. Uh, it's just a great time of year. The weather's perfect. Love it. And hey, before you go, if you're paying these high electric bills and you know the AC is running a lot this time of year. I'm going to tell you how to save some money. Ninety to ninety-five percent on your electric bill if you just call our friends at May electric solar they're a locally owned company Uh, they don't use contractors they've been around uh, for 12 years and they have a a great reputation with their customers just remember uh, it's may all the way called may electric solar at 727-819-2862 and if you do that uh, right now you can save a 30 percent tax credit by changing to solar energy through 2019 all right for steve burstick i'm rick stroud of the tampa bay times have a great day everybody 